David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. We have a great show today, and not because David's not in studio. David and I have taped a couple of interviews, and I think they're pretty good, but you'll have to listen and let us know. We have newly minted Pro Football Hall of Famer Andre Reid, who goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame the summer of 2014. And we have former Princeton University and NBA basketball star, also former senator and presidential uh, hopeful, Bill Bradley. First up, Andre Reid. Uh, doing good, man. I'm here out here in sunny Southern California. I know the weather's been, uh, been a little crazy this year, this uh, winter there on the East Coast with all this cold weather snaps and polar vortexes and all that, but you don't have to worry about here in California. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed on Facebook, Tom Dreesen posted a photo from the uh-huh. uh, Fra- from the Frank Sinatra Celebrity Invitational. Yeah, that was just this past weekend. I've I've uh, I've been involved with that for the last two three years, and there's some you know just some great people out there. Man, the weather was great, and just a great tournament. Barbara Sinatra. I mean, that's you know, come on, that's that's like you know, icon right there. You know, and uh, she does a uh, you know children's center and out there having fun and. You know the charity is uh, is benefiting from all of it, and it's a it's a pretty good couple of days out there in the desert. I see you went to Kutztown for college. Where is Kutztown? Kutztown State College back in the day. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, dude. You got to get up on Google and find out where stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. That's why I had to have to have the internet. It's in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, in, it's in Eastern Pennsylvania. It's about an hour. It's about an hour and a half, two hours outside of Philly, and. Uh, yeah, small school, Division Two, uh, pretty good. I mean, people people talk about D two schools, man. D two schools are if you look at a lot of NFL rosters now, there's a lot of D two kids on on NFL rosters. And you know, back back in the day, it wasn't like that because it was really obscure for you know really good players. I mean, they're good players, but uh, you you just didn't see them on NFL rosters. And there, and I think if you look at some rosters now. A lot of them, they're made up of, uh, you know, those D2 guys. Some, some pro bowlers. So. <laughs> How'd you not end up at Penn State or Pitt? Uh, well, at the time, you know, I just was a young kid coming out of high school. And, you know, I, I just wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't ready for it. I just, uh, you know, thought I'd go to school locally. Had a good, pretty, pretty good program, good academic school. Um, I was a homebody. And, um okay. You know, I, I look back on now, and it probably was the best thing for me. So, you know, I could have went to maybe to a bigger school and tried to walk on or tried to, you know, play, and you never know what could have happened. Yeah. So, so, yeah. How far from Allentown is it? Uh, it's about um, 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So when you got drafted by the Bills, were you expecting to go in the fourth round, or did you think you were going to go higher? 
Uh, no, I was I was projected rounds uh, three through six at the time. And uh, I know people, uh, NFL people I know and have watched the draft over the years, you know, back then it was 12 rounds instead of seven they have now. So, uh, I mean, on the, you know, first day of training camp, there was 125 guys on, on a practice field. And I think now you can only have 90 players that are on. So that's, that's 35, 40, 40 more players, uh, 35 more players that you can have uh, on the field, which then diminishes your chances of making the team. So, um, but, you know, times change, things change, and that's how it is. Now, the, the team you joined wasn't exactly the best one in the NFL at the time. You're, no. as, a, as a former high school quarterback, did you say to yourself, hey, you know, I could do better than Vince Ferragamo or Bruce Matheson? These- no, 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 no. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I got some great advice just from, you know, people and, uh, one thing, uh, led to another. And when I got to Kutztown, they had a pretty good quarterback there that was a, a little All American at the time. He was a senior, uh, and as a freshman. And then they had a guy behind him that was a, uh, was a junior. And, uh, you know, I was coming in as a freshman and, you know, who knows if I was going to get any playing time or not. And they said, Hey, would you, uh, you know, they saw me in, in high school. Uh, and I could, you know, handle the ball and do all that stuff. They wanted to see if I can catch. And I was like, yeah, anything to help the team. If I can, you know, get on the field and play, I would, I would, uh, well, lucky to contribute in any way I can. And it was in the mind of Gino Calcagni, who's, uh, who was the, uh, offensive coordinator at the time. Uh, he asked me if I'd make a switch to wide receiver. And I said, for sure. And I obviously it was the best switch I ever made. <laughs> you had a pretty good guy, a mind on offense and Jim Ringo too. Well, yeah, back. I mean, Jim was when he was in Buffalo. He was the the defensive. He was the uh, offensive line coach. Uh, he wasn't the coordinator. He was the offensive line coach. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So your first season in, you come in. Kay Stevenson's the coach. Four, four games into the season, you're zero and four, and all of a sudden, Kay Stevenson's not the coach. Hank Bullo's the coach. You say to yourself, uh-huh. "What's going on here?" Right. Oh, is that what I say was going on? No, I didn't say what's going on. I think, you know, back then, man, it was, uh, uh, you know, the Bills, the Bills were in transition. And uh, they just had back-to-back 2-14 seasons. They haven't been in the playoffs uh, since the 81 season. And, uh, you know, there was a change uh, being made. And I think, uh, you know, bringing Marvin that fourth game of the year, um, that was the change that the team needed. And you did pretty well with the USFL guys that came over besides Marv with Jim Kelly and Scott Norwood and also Bruce. Man, you, guys, you guys are going back, man. You're going, you're going way back. I think, I think if people go on the internet, they can find all that out. <laughs> what, was, what was Marv Levy like as a coach? Well, Marv was just a good guy, man. You know, I think he was, uh, he was more than a coach. I mean, he was a, he was kind of like a father figure and, and he really, uh, you know, he really had a great rapport with his players, and that was that was a good thing about it. When Jim Kelly came in, could you tell that there was a significant upgrade in quarterback? Oh yeah, you know, Jim Jim was a uh, he had a great career there for Gamblers, um, and uh, he just was a very feisty guy. Uh, you know, he was really 
you know, from the from the day one from day one when he was in the huddle, he he demanded, you know, respect and and you knew that uh you know, he wanted to get stuff done. He he you know, sometimes you look at some quarterbacks and maybe they look like their their eyes are like a deer in the headlights. And and Jim was just uh, a confident guy in his in his ability and um you know, when uh, you need that at the <laughs> You need that as a guy that's, that's pulling the trigger. And, you know, we believed in that, and we got a bunch of players around him and Thurman, and, you know, Bruce Smith was there, came in my year. You had Daryl Talley on the defense. You just had a lot of good players uh, at the right times. And you had a pretty good counterpart in James Lofton as a wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All the famous, too. Yeah. I think the key for that Buffalo team is when you went to that no-huddle offense because it let Kelly shine. Well, we all shined. I don't think it was just Jim. I think, you know, they they saw what he did in the USFL and how he you know, threw for all those yards and had all those weapons and they and uh you know that that was the uh uh the Ted Marchabot that started that. And uh he was very instrumental in because uh, one game uh you know, we were losing and we just started going hurry up, hurry up and we ended up scoring and almost won the game. Uh, we came back the next week, and he was like, "Why don't we do this all the time, and, and put people on their heels all the time?" And that's that's when all that started. And then you know, then we started we started running teams out of their out of the stadium because they couldn't keep up with the pace. The defense must have hated that though, because you had to be on the field a lot longer. Sorry, what's that? The defense had to hate that because if it was three and out, they were right back on the field real quick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and. uh Sometimes they did hate it. They're like, man, you guys are scoring too quick, man. We just we just rested. We you know five, for five minutes. We're back on the field. I go, well, our job is to score. Your guy, your job is to stop them from scoring. When a lot of people think of Andre Reid, they think of the yards you accumulated after the catch. What was the key to mm-hmm. your success in that regard? Well, there's there's a bunch of keys to that. I think uh, you know, as a, as a high school quarterback. We ran a, a, a option type of, of offense where I was able to handle the ball a lot and run uh, with the ball. Um, and I think, you know, when the Bills saw that uh, in, and when I went to college and they saw that, they wanted me to uh, – yeah, they wanted to try to get the ball in my hands as, as quick as possible. And um, that's when that all started. And then when I got to, to Buffalo, they even gave me more chances to do that. So um, – I just I just really worked on uh you know uh being strong and breaking tackles and all that kind of stuff. It was really important to me, uh, you know, the way I, I trained in the off season uh, to get ready for that. And then and our offense changed, you know, when when Ted Marchiboda came and I had to be in the middle a lot and take a lot of hits, so I had to be physically fit to do all that stuff. And uh again I had some great great teammates, great people behind me that uh that made me better. And vice versa. So, um, and you know what? They gave me the opportunity too. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, you know, having the opportunity to do everything. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just really taking pride in, in, in what I like to do and, and never being satisfied. So that was, uh, that was a, that was a big key, definitely. That game against the Oilers in the playoffs, the comeback game, did you think that you had any shot at coming back? What's that again? Did you think you had any shot of coming back in that game oh, in the yeah. playoffs? Oh yeah, I think we, I think we had to get something going. Um, 
And because we had a, a great crowd, you know, our 12th man was probably one of the best, if not the best in the game. And uh, we figured if we, we get a little bit going and, and the crowd got into it, you know, we started to make something happen. And plus, you know, they were making some mistakes. And that's what they say. Well, we let them, we let them off the hook. We did this. We made this mistake. It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. It's how you capitalize on it, on the other person's mistake. You still have to capitalize on it. So, um, we we did. We capitalized on every mistake they made, and we turned it into points. And you know they got to a little complacent, and that's what happens. You you end up losing the game. When you when you retired with 950 receptions, that was third all time. Since then, mm-hmm. other guys have passed you by. Is is there been sort of an inflation in receptions and? with the offenses the way they are nowadays? Well, you guys watch the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what would you would you say that? I, I, I would. <laughs> exactly. It's more of a passing league now. I mean, the guys are going to get their yards, but you know, the pass the pass really sets up the run now. The run doesn't set up the pass. And the cornerbacks cor- uh, can't hold you as much as they used to. Well, there's a lot of rule changes that really benefit the offense, especially receivers. And uh, yeah, we didn't, I didn't have those rules uh, back then. And uh, who gave you the hardest time, a cornerback? Um, I can't say one guy or another. All of them were tough. You, you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't be there uh, playing that position if you weren't uh, a pretty good player. Not for yeah. fifteen. After 15 seasons in Buffalo, you had one more season where you, it started off in Denver and ended up in Washington. Did Would you have preferred to have had your entire career at Buffalo? Well, I consider I did, regardless. Um, yeah, just because I was one year somewhere, the bulk of my career and, and, and what I did was in Buffalo, and I always will uh, be a Bill and remember that. Um, I'm sure if you ask some of these other Hall of Famers, you know, Joe Montana played the bulk of his career in San Francisco and he ended up, uh, you know, uh, in Kansas City, but he's, a, he's probably a 49er for life. So, um, I'm no different. When you made those four Super Bowls in a row, did you think to yourself, you know, we, we gotta win one of these things? <laughs> you guys are funny, man. <laughs> uh, is this your first time on the radio, you guys? I don't know. No, we've interviewed 106 <laughs> Hall of Famers. Oh, um, well, I mean, that's kind of a funny question. You ask it like that. I mean, um, unfortunately, we didn't. That's the way I look at it. You know, you can't, we can't, you know, stop that now. But, uh, of course, that's that's what you play the game for. You, you play the game to, uh, to, to get to the Super Bowl and win it. You know, some guys haven't even gotten to a Super Bowl or to a playoff game. So that's really what your goal should be when you step on the field in, in, in July is you want to be playing uh, only in that last game, uh, you know, at, at the Super Bowl fight in, in February. Did you have a favorite of those four Super Bowls? Um, well, I'm not saying they're favorites because we didn't win. I mean, I was blessed to be on that stage, uh, be on that stage uh, uh, four years in a row. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. And, um, you know, I didn't, the outcome didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but if you look at those teams, we'd have five Hall of Famers from them, those teams. <laughs> so obviously they think that the team was not only individually what we did, but they think the team was, uh, was very, very instrumental in, 
and changing the game uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, we were pretty, uh, pretty hard to contend with at the time, you know, regardless. Uh, you had to go through Buffalo most of the time during those years. So, um, yep. When you, yeah, went into, when you found out you were going to the Hall of Fame, how did you feel? Uh, I felt like a little bit. I mean, I can't even – just the emotion and uh, was very, very uh, – uh, it was a long wait, put it that way. And I was pretty uh, – you know, I, I told people I'm very uh, humbled by, this, by the, uh, the accolade. You know, I was only as good as the people around me. And, um, you know, I respected the process of, of the Hall of Fame and how they pick people. I mean, it's so hard to pick five guys out of – what they start with 125 guys, it's hard to pick five and say, okay, these five are better than these 120. It's, I think if you're nominated, you're just as, as deserving as anybody else. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be with my, my teammates and, uh, to be part of the greatest team, uh, ever assembled. And that's, uh, you know, the pro football hall of fame. I mean, if you would have asked me in high school, would I be a hall of famer in the NFL? I, I would have probably laughed at you a few times. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, this is what God made and God gave me the ability and I tried to work it and, and I think I, I worked it pretty good for him. And, uh, you know, now it's time to be an ambassador for the hall of fame and, and be an ambassador for kids and say, Hey, you could do it. If there's, there's no, uh, limit to your ability if you work hard, uh, and you can, you can achieve, achieve the goals you want. Now, induction weekend can be pretty hectic for the inductees. Will you be able to bring along your golf clubs? I don't know. I have no idea. I know I talked to John Randall a lot of times, and he, I might go on a day or two early and get my clubs uh, hit up there one time before all the, the mayhem starts because you're pretty busy, he said, for a while. But uh, who knows? I know Chris Stolman here uh, is kind of pissed off he lost in that NFL challenge to Jerry Rice. Hmm. Oh, I didn't even I, I didn't even watch it, so. And who's going to be your presenter? Have you decided yet? Yeah, Marvin Levy's going to be my presenter. He's done. He's done a few, and uh, you know, I've had. I thought about Bill Polian, who is is uh, a great speaker, and heck of a GM, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, and and Jim was my other guy, uh, Kelly. And I think Marv. Uh, it's not that he beat those two guys out, but I think you know Marv is such an eloquent guy and. Uh, really knows me as a player and what I'm made up of and, and how I went about things. I think he's, uh, he's going to do a fabulous job for me. And, uh, you know, I'm honored to have him not only as a, as a former coach of mine, but, but he's a Hall of Famer too. So, you know, he knows what that's about. Just make sure Marv doesn't start reading his poetry he's writing. Oh, yeah, he'll do that in a minute. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Well, hope you enjoyed that interview with Andre Reid, even if he did disrespect David and me just slightly. After this brief break, we will have Bill Bradley. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. 